Welcome to Kashris on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashris Magazine. And tonight's show I should be to prove very interesting to everybody because we're talking to somebody from uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Mrs. Creel. From the uh, from the from Ellie's Kosher Kitchen is going to be joining us right now. A very interesting program. You will never forget it. Okay, so here we go. Mrs. Creel, are you on the air? You on the phone? Hi. Okay. Yes. Hello, Rabbi. I'm here. Okay. Very good. Uh, Mrs. Creel, I want to start just briefly. The questions we can do them very shortly. We don't have to do them long. Just tell me a little bit about. What was life, where you come from, what, what, what was life before the UAE, before the United Arab Emirates? Where, where, what, just give me a little background. So I come from Johannesburg. Well, I come from South Africa. Um, I was living in Johannesburg before we moved to the UAE. I have three children. My eldest is Daniela. She is 21. And I have Isaac, who is about to be bar mitzvahed. And then my youngest child, Eve, um, she is 12. And we'll have her bat mitzvah, I'm sorry, 11. She will have her bat mitzvah in February next year. So we were living in Johannesburg. Um, we were part of the first Waverly community in um, Johannesburg. And then we moved to uh, another area where we attended um, Chabad of Ilova uh, with Rabbi Katz. And while we were living there, we, um, my husband uh, was started working for an energy company, and he had been commuting between Dubai and, and um, Johannesburg, and eventually they said to him, it's time for us to move to the United Arab Emirates. So we um, had a look. We came to the city of Dubai. Um, coming from Johannesburg, Dubai was, was very different for us. One of the main things was that there was no Jewish community here. Uh, well, not one that we really knew of. There were a few. We discovered that there were a handful of Jewish communities already living here and getting together. But we thought that, um, you know, it offered us uh, a new opportunity, a new lifestyle, um, new economic opportunities, and we decided to, to make the move. Of course, the one issue was, um, you know, uh, Kashrut and also um, not having community about, around us. So, you know, when we made the move, we had to make a very conscious effort to make sure that we maintained our lifestyle and um, our values. Well, what year was this? So what year did you come? We arrived um, in August of 2013. It was just before Rosh Hashanah. It was about two weeks before Rosh Hashanah, and we had our first Rosh Hashanah um, in Dubai in 2013. And at, at that time, uh, you, you had a kahila of some sort that you were part of? Yeah, there was, there was a kahila that we, we, we entered. Um, there were about 20 or 30 families that were getting together. Um, I remember we, um, we hired an apartment to Davin for Rosh Hashanah, and we actually stayed in the apartment right next to um, to what was uh, right next to the, the apartment that we used as a shul. And um, for Rosh Hashanahs, we were the only kosher family at the time. Um, you know, everyone came and ate by us um, for for all the meals. So that took place in our two bedroom apartment. Um, wow. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and Mrs. Creel, uh, how did you get involved in catering? 
So that was quite incidental. Um, that was not anything I ever planned to do. Um, I'm a sociologist actually by profession. And when I came to Dubai, I was um, studying still and I was teaching at a university. I was finishing my PhD. And, um, you know, so how I got into catering was that um, because we, we lead a kosher lifestyle, I needed to make sure my home was kosher, had to find out, you know, where the products were, how to, you know, continue living in a, in a kosher way. So what happened was when word got out that there was a kosher family living in Dubai, people started reaching out to us. And um, they would ask us for help. Where can we get kosher food? Where can we eat? What can we do? And I used to help out a lot, and I used to send people food, or I would invite them to eat by us. Um, and then, uh, you know, that, that would go up and down. It was never anything I saw as a formal thing. And um, in about November 2018, there was an um, interface conference being held in, in, um, in Abu Dhabi. And um, there were a group of rabbis that were part of that, that conference. And the conference organizers contacted my husband. They were very panicked because, you know, it's part of the hospitality of the UAE that, you know, when your guests come, you make sure they, they eat. Of course, it's anywhere. But they couldn't give these rabbis anything to eat, and they didn't know what to do with it, so they, about it. So they contacted my husband and asked him, please, can you help us with food? And he said, yeah, no, no problem. My wife will send food for you. So I sent food for them. And that was for five days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner from Dubai, sending food to Abu Dhabi, and it went very well, thank God. And then from there, I got more and more requests, and word started um, spreading. And, um, you know, more conference organizers, more hotels, and then travelers started contacting me. And um, then the government started talking about the year of tolerance and talking about the visit of the Pope to, um, to the UAE. And when they made um, the year of tolerance official, I thought, well, this is the time. This is actually a business. There's enough requests. And since it's the year of tolerance, then, you know, this is the time for me to step forward. And I did. And I launched my website. I put together a menu. And I've never looked back. Unbelievable. So that, 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 what I'm very interested in, this is something I wrote down as one of my questions. I really want to know. How do you get kosher food there? Is, it, is there anything? I mean, what is there for the shopping? What, what are you importing? Uh, do the, does the community, uh, you do it together with the community or you do your own uh, importing of, of foods? Uh, t- give me a little description about what's going on with food because I'm sure you don't have, I mean, I'm reading a lot about uh, Dubai and the UAE. Almost every single day something new is happening, a new, this hotel, this thing. even if there's no people. <laughs> it seems to be that there's more kosher food than kosher people. But th- that's not the issue. The question is, how in the world do you get the food, even for 100 or 200 people? What are you doing? How do you get that kind of food? So actually the surprising thing about, about Dubai or the UAE is that it's full of kosher products. Um, of course, not all kinds of kosher products, but it is full of kosher products. And this is something that I discovered to my delight when I first arrived in, 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 in the UAE. And this is, this is something we weren't sure we could get. But if you go into any supermarket, you will find on the shelves a number of products. 
And why is that? That is because this is a very international environment and um, each community likes to have foods from the place or the country that they come from. So you find a lot of American products, first of all, a lot of British products and Australian and South African. And when they are imported, many of them already arrive with the Heksha printed on the mm. products. So when we first got to Dubai, my husband and I used to joke that there were more kosher products in Dubai than we had in South Africa because we had a, a, a wider range. We had KLC, we had OAU, we had Star K, you know, we had um, uh, from Kosher Australia, we had South African Best Inn. Um, and still today, every day I'm discovering more and more kosher products, products that I never knew existed. So there's no shortage of products, but what there is a shortage of is dairy products and um, meat products. So the dairy products is something you can get. You can get some dairy products, um, of course not of Israel, but you can get, um, you know, some uh, cheeses such as a cre such as cre uh, cream cheese or sour cream. Um, but uh, you know. Uh, the yellow cheeses or, um, you know, mozzarella or something like that you can't find. Although the other day, very strangely, well, surprisingly, um, one of my friends contacted me and she found um, the little packets of uh, yellow string, uh, not yellow, the, the um, white string cheese that kids eat, the ones in the, in the you know, the strips. Yeah. We found them at one of the supermarkets here. So that was the first time I've seen something like that. So now meat is the issue. Meat is something that we have to bring in, and I have a number of people bringing in um, meat for me constantly, such as, um, you know, uh, Rabbi Joel Weinberger, who, um, you know, from Star K, who, who often calls me and says, what do you need from the U.S.? I'm coming in, or what do you need from India? I'm coming in, and he brings me bags and bags of stuff that I need. He's not bringing you meat from India. <laughs> <laughs> well, not the meat, but the spices. The uh, spices, come from, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. not from, not from, not the meat. The meat comes from the U.S. Yeah. And um, so, so, yeah, so we get meat like that. When we first came in, um, you know, we couldn't get kosher wine, uh, but we managed to get uh, two South African brands in the store. One um, I, I helped facilitate to bring in, another one... Um, was brought in by a Chabad rabbi who lives in, in the UAE. And um, now, of course, with the normalization of Israel, we're expecting a number of Israeli products to come in, and especially Israeli wine. So I've seen wine lists from um, Israel. Uh, at least about six different kinds of Israeli wines will be coming in. But, but Mrs. Creel, Changing. the, 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 the yes. volume that you need to service... Mm. I don't know. I, I again. I, it hasn't really taken off yet. But but the volume that you'll need to service a larger qual quantity of people, uh, you, you're going to need something more dramatic than Joel Weinberger, that Rabbi Joel Weinberger carrying a suitcase <laughs> with him, an extra suitcase of thirty pounds overweight. You, you're gonna you're gonna need something that's you know that okay. stored up for a while. I mean, you know, yeah. have you? Have you uh, have you entered and ent entertained any of that? How are you going to get larger quantities? Yes, yes, of course we have. So if potentially through Israel. Um, I'm also looking through the UK. I've got a supplier there lined up. 
um, you know, possibly through Italy, there's another supplier, but almost every day I'm being contacted by various organizations, many of them um, from the U.S., yeah. and they're offering me um, meat and uh-huh. supplies. So all of this is in the pipeline, and of course, you're absolutely right, you know, um, I won't be relying on individuals anymore to bring me meat, but um, up until now, that's how it's been happening. Right. Uh, now, now, let me, you, you talk a little bit about you know, the people who are living there. Uh, first of all, at this present time, how many Jews do you identify as living in the UAE? Is it 500, 1,000, 1,500? Is it more or less? You know, it's very hard to say how many um, because not everyone is identified or affiliated. There are two main groupings in the UAE, and the number that's being circulated in the media is that there's about 1,500 Jews living here. Um, I, I can't say with any certainty how, ma- how many there are. Uh, you know, just in our uh, little community, I would say there are a couple of hundred, but between the two communities, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I would say, I, I would say probably 1,000, 1,500 is accurate, but beyond that, I'm not sure. Now, now you mentioned the two communities. First of all, I believe I heard three shuls at synagogues. I don't know if that's true or not, but there are two communities. Well, I assume one is the Chabad, and maybe the, yes, correct. okay. And and the and the leader of that is this Rabbi Duchman, Rabbi Levi Duchman, or am I, or am I not correct? Uh, yes, 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 okay, correct, it yes. Is. And the other one is an older synagogue that that existed um, before in early, earlier years. And I and I believe they hired a rabbi from America. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, the 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 chief rabbi of our community is Rabbi Yehuda Sarna, and he is based in New York. Um, and so he's been with our community for a long time, and we have recently appointed Rabbi Abadi, Eli Abadi, right. um, from New York, who will be joining us this week. Oh, so Rabbi Sarna is the chief rabbi. Okay. That I, I met him, I believe, and Rabbi Abadi is going to be coming in as a rabbi in that other community. Okay, now so uh, not in the other, in the same community as Rabbi Sarna. So Rabbi oh. Duchman is of the Chabad community, right. and um, Rabbi Sarna and Rabbi Abadi is of our community. Right. Right. So now I'm getting a little bit of a flavor of what's going on. I, I will. I was a little surprised when you told me that uh, that you were like the main kosher family <laughs> in the in there you didn't come in until 2013 uh wow so i i, I can't i don't want to think what was there before <laughs> very good okay uh now you've talked a little bit about the, uh, the 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 community at large um and can you describe what what, what how the jews been treated all these years in uae before before this new arrangement, before the accords, how were the Jews treated? How were they looked at? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it is the Middle East. Give me a little bit of a, an idea of how it was. So, well, it's a very interesting thing because, um, you know, the, the, the UAE itself does not have any history of Jews really in in the country. It's really through sort of the politics with the Middle East that they've had relations with Israel. But in 
terms of having its own local community, there's never really been its own local community. Um, so we were really the first community that started developing in 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 the UAE. You know, because of because of the um, stance against Israel or the separation from Israel, the distance from Israel, no one was really sure how um, how Jews would be accepted. Um, so no one really made the identity. Um, open or public. Everyone just was very discreet about it. But what we discovered very early on it was that there is no issue, there's no anti-Semitism in the UAE. There never was, as far as we can tell. And, um, you know, we certainly never experienced that. And, um, in fact, when over the years, you know, when we did reveal that, that we are a Jewish family, we experienced the complete opposite. And what we realized was that it was just an untested scenario. Um, and, you know, we we only ever faced warmth and um, acceptance. And, you know, by the, by the time of the year of tolerance, we, we, we certainly sort of... Um, uh, you know, we weren't sure. You know, we, you know, this was amazing. This was something that um, the Year of Tolerance is speaking about: diversity and acceptance, and and again, welcoming all people of different faiths and religions. And you know, with all these interfaith uh, uh, conferences going on and rabbis being present, certainly gave us evidence that this was true. And the one thing that I can say is that the Emirati people being Bedouin in nature and especially many of them nomadic in, um, in, in terms of their history and their culture, is that they're very open to different people. And in the history of the UAE, you know, going back to Sheikh Zayed's time, you know, they've always welcomed different people. Oh, they've always welcomed people of different faiths and different nationalities. And this has been without exception. And um, so when we made ourselves known, and especially now with the, with the you know, the Abraham Accords, it's, it's, it's definitely proved to be the case. Is, um, it feels like now it's a, a big family reunion. You know, everyone's celebrating each other. Everyone's um, um, thrilled about this. And it just goes to... Um, it's like testament to the fact that that we always felt um, that we could be, you know, we could be Jewish in the UAE. That you know that we would have been welcomed, and and now that is that is true, you know. Okay, now I'm going to go to talk a little more cautious, but I got to hear this. This is very important to me. I want to understand about your children. What kind of a Jewish education have they been getting, and what can you describe a little bit about the life? For them, because they're they're not you know they're they're children yet they're young, uh, even the eighteen they're young, and mm. you an adult you know can deal with things in a mature kind of a way, but they have to deal mm. with uh, UAE in a different way completely than you do. So give me an idea of what life is for them, especially the, any any that their Jewish education. So um, my eldest child finished in South Africa and she is studying in South Africa still um, so I can really speak more about the two younger ones um, 
here in, in Dubai. So okay. they they came with us to, to Dubai when they were three and four years old, very, very young. Mm-hmm. And they left a Jewish school and um, they came into Dubai where they went into international schools, first American schools and now British school. Um, so here's a lovely story for you. So when my, when my son went into grade one, the first day of grade one, um, we went to meet his teacher and his teacher, uh, it was her first day in a school in the UAE. It was her first year in the UAE, and it was her first day at the school. So we went up to her, and we, my husband and I had dis- discussed this, and we decided that we never wanted to hide our identity. We may need to be discreet, but we would never hide it, and we didn't want our children to grow up that way. Um, so we decided um, that, we would go and talk to the teacher and explain that we're a Jewish family, but not only that we're Jewish, but we're also a Shamre kosher family, and that she would need to be aware of this because when there's events at school, either my children would not be present if it's if it's Yontif or otherwise, um, you know, and Shabbat, or and otherwise with with uh, kashrut. If they needed food, they could not eat from the school or from the birthday parties at the school. So we went to the teacher and we, we introduced ourselves and we said, we told her, look, we're a Jewish family and we kosher and if you have a birthday party, please let us know in advance and we will send kids uh, sweets for our kids so that they can partake and eat the kosher sweets. And she looked at us and she said, not a problem at all. I just want to tell you, I'm from New York, and I'm also Jewish. Hmm. And not only am I Jewish, but the teacher next door, it's also her first day, and she's also Jewish, and she's from Chicago. Hmm. So um, that was our experience, and we never had an issue with kashrut or any observance in our schools, um, you know, for Yontes um, and, uh, you know, for any of the Chagim, there was no issue at all. So what, the Jewish education, so what did we do um, from the first day that we arrived in the UAE? We had set up um, uh, classes um, for our children online, and they learn uh, Torah online, and they learn um, Hebrew online, and they do it via um, Chabad teachers using um, uh, an online platform, and they go through a Jewish school, an online school, which um, is run by Chabad, and it's mainly for the Shlochim, but my kids, after their, their, their day school, they then log on and they, they learn Torah and Hebrew. And and then, of course, it's, um, and that's why the community also, you know, we've been very involved in, in the community and building the community so that our kids and other kids can also have a normal Jewish life around them. So they have always grown up celebrating the Chagim. You know, our family's been at the, at the center of, of much communal life. Uh, in fact, the, the first uh, shul in, in Dubai started in our living room. Um, at the moment, we've got three safer Torahs in our home because... Um, because our, our our shul is closed while we relocate um, premises, so you know it all starts at home, and and this is where it's been, and um, it's it's spread out from there. Well, you must. I, I I have to have a separate show. I've sometime if I can, I'd love to talk about some of your experiences because 
if you were so involved, as you're explaining, there may, must be many stories about different families and they're finding their mm-hmm. way back that you must have been involved in. I, I'm not going to take your time, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure there are plenty of stories of people that you met, and I'd love to hear them some yeah. other time. In any event, let's go on a little bit with the Kashmir's because I, I, I want to know, well, I, I became aware of you before, uh, before, before this whole thing. Uh, we, we had some communication, I don't know if you remember it all, but, uh, but, but there was, but you, 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 somehow you got a hold of, or they got the OU to help that event that you, that, that big event that you handled where everybody was getting together and you needed two days. It was the end of the, the it was the end of the, the month and it was, uh, and there was a two day hashkacha from the OU. And then later on, I was heard that the, the OU is going to give you hashkacha in, in, in a new plant, a new facility of yours. Can you tell us a little bit about the OU's involvement? Are you still with the OU? Uh, are you opening up a place? Give us a little idea about where Ellie's Kosher Kitchen is today. Sure, with pleasure. So following that two-day hashkacha, that was actually the start of my permanent hashkacha. So um, I, I have moved out of working from home because I started working from home. And um, with that, prior to that event, I was moving into, um, into a, a, my own premises in a hotel. And um, that, first, that event was my first... Um, you know, my first uh, uh, big catering event, and the OU came from Israel. Uh, Rabbi Krakowski came from Israel, and he helped us kasha out a kitchen in Abu Dhabi from which we catered. And then we moved back to Dubai, and um, he put a mashgiach into my new kitchen, and we kashered that out. And since then, I have had OU certification. And I'm now based in the Habsur City, Hilton Habsur City. The Hilton of what? Um, <laughs> it's a franchise of Hilton that is owned by local families, uh, the Habsur family. Hmm. And um, it's in the center of Dubai on the main um, highway um, called Sheikh Zayed Road. And um, there are three hotels there, and in one of the hotel, one of those hotels, I have a kitchen um, on the second floor, and I'm producing kosher food from there, and it's all under OU. Um, and, and what are you doing with it now? You, are you doing events, or are you doing the hotels, or what? 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 What's your basic service of Ellie's Kosher Kitchen today? So, so the so the basic service is still to to provide travelers um, with with kosher food, so they can go to my website and they they can order food from my website, and I deliver it to the hotels to them, and they can eat it at their hotels. I also work with hotels that are ordering kosher food for their guests, and that can be for events or for individual guests, or it could be for large groups. Um, obviously, I'm limited as to how many groups I can have at once and how big those groups are. But what I'm also looking at doing is, um, you know, assisting hotels in doing their own kosher catering, and I do that through the OU also um, in bringing. Uh, you know, a mashkir out, and then we crochet out a kitchen, and then we work with a hotel under supervision of a mashkir um, in delivering kosher food to to large groups. Isn't that also, isn't that going to be, you know, taking away from you? I mean, uh, you know, taking you, it away from me. Yeah. In other words, you're 
you're, as we call it cannibalism. You're, you're swallowing yourself up. In other words, you're helping them not need you. <laughs> yeah, in a sense, but, you know, it's... It's, it's all part of whatever it is. So let me tell you, I, I, I'm sitting here in the United States, and almost every day I open up, uh, I get it on, online, I don't, do it, I don't do it with newspapers, I get stuff very fast because they send the cautious material to us. And, and I see every day, the first this, and they're all the same. I have now in front of me, Ritz-Carlton Manama becomes the first hotel in Bahrain, to offer kosher mm. food, so that's Bahrain. That's not here, but I have, um, you know, I have the uh, uh, the I have this uh, kosher. Uh, uh, what is it? There's a emeritus uh, agency for kosher kitchen, which is Rabbi Duchman, and and mm. and he, what is he doing? What what is that program? So, from what I understand, what he's doing is he's tied up with the Abu Dhabi government um, to certify kitchens in hotels and to enable those hotels to to um, to provide kosher food. Um, so that's that's what I, I know that he's doing. Um, so that really means he really in other words you're actually giving the uh, you're giving the uh, expertise and you're helping them to do it and he's sort of going to be overseeing it on some level. Uh, is, is there going to be a certification? Is the Emeritus Agency for Coach Certification an actual hashkocha, or is it just uh, something that's going to facilitate kosher? So I think the best person to answer that would be Rabbi Duchman, not, yeah. not me. I mean, from what I understand is that he's giving hashkocha, um, but that's separate from what I'm doing. I work through the OU. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, whenever I go into a kitchen... With the OU, it's with their mashkechim and it's with their, with, with, with their hashkacha. And uh-huh. I think he's doing the same, but with his own hashkacha. Uh-huh. You know, um, so they're two separate things. Um, okay. Yeah, but I, I would say he's best placed to answer that. All right. Now, so, so at the present time, if I were to yes. go to Dubai, although I'm not planning a trip, if I would go to Dubai... I would again. There isn't anything. I mean, I saw the material that came out from the uh, from the tourist bureau that they're that they're trying. They're in, they're suggesting to everybody to to offer kosher. So, uh, are there any? Is there a kosher restaurant that's open? I've I've heard about a kosher restaurant. Is there an, a kosher restaurant that's open every day or a couple of days a week? Yeah, there is one in the Armani Hotel. Um, and that that one is open every day, uh, as far as I know, except for Shabbos, obviously. Uh-huh. And there is a hotel that actually, uh, in that so that restaurant, obviously, that's part of a money hotel. You could get it there. You could be a guest. You can come in from the outside. Um, they, they, they have room service in, in these places? Is there any way for people who are not going to stop in that restaurant? Is there room service in any of the hotels? Was Amani offer room um, service? I'm not sure about whether Armani does kosher room service, but I assume so because the, the restaurant is there. But I know that the Hilton Hubs, where I'm based, they purchase meals from me. Um, they keep them frozen, and they put, they've put they created an in-room dining um, menu, and they have them available 24-7 for their guests. So, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm regularly um, topping up for them. And as far as I know, that's the only one so far that is um, 
that is offering 24-7 in-room dining. But okay. I, again, I'm not sure about the Amani. You, you would need to contact them directly. Um, I know that a number of other hotels have contacted me and are, are, are you know, doing the same thing, creating in-room dining menus based on the frozen meals that, that I make available to them. So those meals are, you know, cooked in my kitchen. They are double-wrapped in foil. They've got the, um, the, the hashkacha on it, and it goes with a, a set of instructions to the hotel as to how to store it and how to heat it and how to serve it to the guests. And that's what they do. And they keep that for, you know, for, for those people who arrive and they, they haven't said before that they're kosher, but then, um, they, you know, they, they arrive and they say, by the way, we are kosher, can you give us some food? And then the hotel will say, yes, of course, these are the options. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then they deliver it to them. So not all hotels are offering that yet, but there are a few. And as I say, because I'm in the Hubsor City, the Hilton Hubsor City, um, they're already doing that. I have to ask you to spell it. I can't, couldn't catch it. It's a Hilton. Okay. Spell it. So it's. Yeah, it's the um, Habtor, spelled H-A-B-T-O-O-R, Habtor City. Okay. All right. And um, let's go on to some other things here, a few more things we have left. Uh, so how is it for you? I mean, you know, all the, 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 the original, your original involvement, you know, you didn't work with a, you didn't have a mashkiach. You didn't have a hashgacha originally, originally, and then you had hashgacha, whatever. But the the hashgacha was living in New York. So, how is how does how are you reacting to the idea that, I mean, the OU is there all the time. You can't open up without the OU being there, and uh, so so it's a different experience, isn't it? Working with a hashgacha and a mashgiach. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, the thing is that it's it's different because I'm no longer at home. I'm in a now. I'm in an established kitchen. Right. The fact that there's a mashkirch there makes it much better for me. I mean, I prefer that because no one. I mean, I've always made sure that I've kept to all the you know the highest standards that I can keep within my home, and I've always been very very um, scrupulous about that. And taking that into my kitchen now under Hashkacha, you know, there's very little difference. You know, the only difference is that I'm in a commercial setting now. Um, and to have the mashkiach there for me is, is a blessing because people then can feel confident about buying from me. And it makes me feel um, more confident, makes me feel better because... You know, no one can question me, you know, whereas before someone was, would say, but, you know, you're working from home, who's your mashkir, are you really kosher? And I would say, yes, of course, we are kosher, but, you know, I had no way of proving it. Now, I can prove it. Right. So that's the difference. So it's easier for you. In um, a certain sense, of course, it's, the, yeah. it's a bigger operation, so it doesn't, the extra hand certainly helps. Right, let me ask you this. What's the what? Do you, what is your experience though in do, in working with the hotels? Uh, do they understand the kosher? Do they do they feel uh, this is ridiculous? Do they are they cooperative? Uh, how you know how easy it, and 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 more importantly, how are you getting people to work for you? Because a lot of these people have no experience with anything like what you're doing. So the, so this is again such an interesting thing. Um, first of all. You know, 
it goes back to the, the, the work ethic and the values of the UAE. As I said earlier, they are very welcoming, they are very embracing, they are very open-minded. And, you know, the, the hospitality industry is about making sure the guests are happy. You know, in fact, there's a happy, happiness ministry in the UAE. So everyone is, is bent on making this environment a happy place. Um, so, so the thing is that the, the, the hospitality industry has jumped on this. They are delighted. But there is a gap in terms of how, you know, about being willing to do it and how to do it. Now, this is where it gets even more interesting. Again, because it's an international environment, you get various levels of knowledge. So those who come from Egypt, the, you know, hotel managers come from Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia, you know, the northern African countries where they are used to Jewish communities, and those that come from the UK and the US that again are used to Jewish communities have experienced kashrut in hotels. And for them, they understand that a mashkiach is needed. They understand that they can't use a normal kitchen. They understand that you need certain ingredients. So to make that jump with them is actually very easy. It's those who have not had any experience that it might be a bit confusing, but the willingness is there. So again, it's 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 a, a jump that you're able to make with them. Where it gets a bit trickier is um, in the kitchen, you know, when you have a cook, for example, who cannot speak English, <laughs> and you're trying to explain to them. But again, the ethic, the work ethic here is always follow orders, make sure people are happy, and so as long as you can in some way explain that this is permitted and this isn't, people follow those rules. So, in fact, it's not something that's weird. It's something that is accepted readily. And, um, you know, for the public, uh, being a Muslim country, the public might already have some understanding about, about um, a kosher lifestyle because they keep halal themselves. So right. when they've traveled to the U.S., you know, in particular, where they've needed halal food, they go looking for kosher food. And um, so there is an understanding there already. So it's, it's a very, very interesting environment. It sounds like it's an uphill battle, but it's going in the right direction. Uh, definitely. Which, which countries were those that you had a little bit of concern about where people come from? Where, where do you find that they had no experience with the kosher? Um... So maybe um, places like Nepal, um, places like Pakistan, um, you know, uh, uh, where else? Um, the Philippines, maybe. But those are wonderful people. <laughs> those are some of the nicest of people. They, they, they are very cooperative. So I don't think you have a problem. Of course they are. So that's <laughs> what I was saying. You know, it's, it's very easy to work with people yeah. like, you know, um, because the, the acceptance is there, the openness is there, the willingness is there. So, so those are the countries that they may, may not have known about Kashrut. I mean, India is very interesting because they've got, um, in Cochin, in Kerala, there used to be a Jewish community. So people who come from Kerala understand, um, you know, Jewish foods and, and, and a, you know, a kosher lifestyle more. And also the fact that India has got so many different cultures within it. 
and they have um, many different eating um, regimens within that. They're also very respectful. So, you know, as I was saying, it's not it's not difficult. It just needs a, a you know a little bit of explanation. So let me ask you a question that you want to answer. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to answer all the others, but this is one you want to answer. What are some of your favorite foods to prepare? Um, I love making babka, chocolate babka, because um, I just love the way that you roll the pastry and you cut, cut the pastry open, you see the layers of chocolate. For me, I love that. And also, once it's baked and people have ordered it, I just love the reaction I get from it. So that's the one thing I enjoy to prepare. Um, what else? I love um, being in the in you know in in Dubai again, being in such a diverse environment, and especially coming in from a Jewish perspective, I'm exposed to so many Jewish cultures here that I was not exposed to back home. So I'm enjoying, you know, discovering different Jewish foods here too, which is quite an interesting thing. You wouldn't you wouldn't have said, but um, like Moroccan Jewish food, I, I've never experienced before in South Africa. But that's something I have in Dubai. You know, I'm learning a little bit about Tunisian Jewish food. Um, you know, Iraqi Jewish food. It's just it's it's just very fascinating. So this is something I'm trying to take on and learn more about and you know um, so in terms of preparing foods I love experimenting trying something new and also you know I've developed what I called kosherati so that's Emirati foods that I'm making kosher and uh, this is a way that I can experience Emirati foods um, so I've been doing a lot of that, which I really love. Um, the Emirati flavors are, are very different. They use a lot of saffron, cardamom, and rose water. Those are the three main ingredients. And um, so I've been quite experimental with that too. Wow! So, so you've been—it's a learning experience for you too. It, it, it's a whole, a whole new world. I, I tell you, it's very—it's very, very fascinating. It's a, we're, we're on the cusp of a, of a new experience. Hopefully, everything's going to go in the same way it's been for the, for the short time now, and uh, it should be growing, growing, growing. Uh, there, I I saw, and again, I don't know if this is true or not, that the Emirati fl- flight catering, which services 38 million meals a year, 38 million meals a year, they produce. It's gigantic mm-hmm. because there's a lot of uh, airlines, over 100 airlines, flying in and out of there and taking it. So. They, they they are now going to offer kosher too. I, I did they contact you? Or are you involved with them at all or not? Yes, yeah, so I have met with them. In fact, I'm married to the owner <laughs> <laughs> of of Kosher Arabia. Oh, yeah, Kosher Arabia is you too. Okay, okay, and Kosher Arabia is is is, is doing what? Kosher Arabia is um, a joint venture between. Um, uh, my husband and Emirates Airlines, and they are uh, building a kosher kitchen um, that will be providing kosher meals for the airlines out of the UAE, out of and into the UAE. Ah, uh-huh. so you were really involved in that somehow too, I assume, but I don't know what level. Well, through marriage, but not through production. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> wow, wow. So kosher has been very good for you. I mean, it seemed to, it seemed yeah, to be working. Been- but I think the, the mo- for me personally, my biggest takeaway is your involvement in the community and 
you know, the shul in the house, the three sifrei Torah, uh, the, 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 the Shabbos meals, the, the providing kosher to the community, being the source of, 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 the, of the growth and the, the religious life of the community, I think that's, that's, that's even as bigger than anything else is going to be. The business side is one side, but that's the spiritual side. So I was extremely interesting speaking with you today, and I'm, I, I thank you for all the time you gave us, and we wish you tremendous success. And I know that Rabbi Weinberger was in the background physically today, and that he's been in the background for, for years helping you. Yes, and it, 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 he uh, it, yeah. it's a, He is a tremendous source of, uh, of, of uh, success in, the, in, that, in that part of the world, and uh, bringing kosher there. And we're very proud to have an involvement in any which way. And you can feel confidence anytime you want to contact us and let us know about uh, any changes or events or you know, some growth in, the, uh, in, in your business. We'd love to hear from you. So we'll be in touch. Well, Thank you very much for giving us the time. You're most welcome. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.